Welcome to Ask the Experts with Alka. I'm your sh I'm your host for today, Alka Sharma. And today I have an amazing, phenomenal entrepreneur, serial entrepreneur, Almira Badai, who's going to be sharing with you when it comes to PR and communication and marketing and all the interesting success that Almira has had. So I'm excited to share with you. But before we go ahead and bring Almira on, I want to welcome everyone. And this is episode 45 of Ask the Experts with Alka. So I often get asked, how did my podcast journey begin? Where did I start? So how my journey began was for the past six years, I ran a very successful fitness studio here in Toronto. And the being, the core of my being is empowerment. I love to empower women. And when I had my studio, I, I was empowering me, my team were empowering our clients to not only get stronger physically, but mentally. And this is where it all starts. So as they began to progress in their health and fitness journey, that was such a gratifying experience and gratifying for me to know that how well my clients were doing. So this is where it started. And today as a real estate investor, empowering my clients, women to gain the knowledge, to gain the confidence when it comes to real estate investing, there's you know, such a greater feeling than knowing that your clients are really um, you know, gaining the knowledge and understanding and the confidence, especially in real estate investing. So throughout my journey, I've had amazing wins, but I've had failures too. And I believe that it's in our failures that we become the person who we are meant to be. So this is where my journey started. And on the show, I have, I bring on amazing entrepreneurs who are making such a difference in their industry. And Almira is no exception. Almira, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And I share such a passion with you in empowering yeah. women. You know, I was reading something the other day about how we all have women's circles. This is right. one of the, the elements of these women's circles. So thank you for having this. No, you're absolutely very welcome. And I'm excited to talk with you. So Almira is a civil entrepreneur. She has had success in the PR industry. She has a PR and marketing business that's focusing on building brands. And she is one of the North America's leading expert in brand building and communication. She has spent the last two decades creating powerful narratives for both domestic and local brands such as Talis, Future Shop, and Nike, to name a few. Elmira is a recipient of Entrepreneur Women's Magazine 2016. She's an Enterprising Women of the Year Award, Canada's 40 Under 40 in Vancouver, and she really inspires and other women to really take the lead. And Elmira is also a thought leader when it comes to issues such as PI and she's a commentator as well and talks about media and PR. So Amira, I want to get started. What is your backstory for the viewers who do not know you? What is your backstory and how did you get started in the PR industry? 
Mm -hmm. So I'd always loved advertising. And so naturally, you know, when you finish high school, you decide to look at your universities, the school that I went to, they had a communications program and actually they had a marketing program, which I was interested in, but it was part of the business school and you needed to be able to pass math and economics, which, whereas I love the concepts, I can't actually properly do either of them. And so life led me into the school of communications where I actually did my degree in public relations, sorry, my degree in communications. Mm-hmm. And they have the co-op program and they still do. And I've been in the industry now for over 20 years. And I still say that that program was the catalyst of my career because while I was in university, I got hands-on experience actually working in the industry. And the work that I did was phenomenal. And what I what I got to work on, I mean, the, the crises and the, um, the proactive campaigns and media relations and communications, it was phenomenal. And, you know, one of the secrets of my success has always been the relationships that I've built right. and continue to carry through. I mean, it's all about relationships. And so I would just reach out to people that I was working at in different departments, or I did one co-op in Ottawa. I reached out to the regional director of our Vancouver office and said, can I work in Vancouver? So ever since I was 19, I've been in the industry and as it does, you know, it just blows. And so I ended up being recruited into a PR agency even before I graduated. So I was working there and then I spent uh, almost two and a half years there. And then I moved to the UK worked for Cobra, the Indian beer, uh, we right. were taking the brand mainstream. That was our role. And it just exploded. Um, and I ended up as head of global PR at 26 for this, the UK is and frankly, Europe's hottest beer brand at the time. Wow. It was us and tiger. It was, it was the craziest days, you know, Selfridge just called me to put the product in the windows. Whereas oh, really? normally, they, normally they charge you 10,000 pounds, but Selfridge's was calling me, you know, my, that's amazing. Yeah, wow. It was incredible. My entrepreneur boss, he was the, there was him, the gentleman, Simon, I can't remember his last name from Yosushi and Richard Hoop Branson, who were the top three entrepreneurs in the UK. So you can imagine what it's like and what I got to do. And I had teams all over the world working for me and agencies. And anyways, it was amazing and such a great opportunity. Then I traveled, went to Australia and then decided to come back uh, to Canada uh, just because I just wanted some time with family and things like that. And the entrepreneurship bug caught me. So I've actually worked all around the world running my business. It was great. And then subsequently came back to Vancouver, met my then business partner, and we founded our own PR and social media agency, which we then grew and scaled to a seven-figure business with offices in Vancouver, Toronto, and Los Angeles, and approximately 40 team members. I then sold the business to her in 2018, and then went back out on my own and just have a smaller, nimbler agency working with clients to and the C-suite CEO president to build the brand and also on their executive belt leadership. And then, of course, there's the coaching side where I work with women to grow and scale their businesses and their visibility. So that's the long answer to your question. <laughs> well, we, I appreciate your long answer, but that is so beautiful. And I want to touch on what you said initially that, you know, math was not your forte and math was not my forte. So mm-hmm. I absolutely can relate. Uh, but you know what? But oftentimes, um, doesn't matter what industry, you know, we're in, but having that that co-op experience, having that co-op, it really sort of enhances you and it really sort of teaches you a lot. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I think it's so valuable that when we can get having that co-op, so you've obviously when you had the co-op experience, that really sort of elevated you to the point because you didn't know as to what was possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
and you just delve right into it and now you are you have so much success Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah I you know there's so much talk now about co-creation and Mm. so you set your intent and it flows and ideally it's always a good thing (laughs) you know you you talked about failures and I think I'm learning to grapple with that world word better. I always saw them as opportunities or right. lessons, but mm-hmm. sometimes there's some days when you're like, wow, that was a colossal failure. <laughs> still learning about sometimes. those. Yeah. Well, depending on, I mean, it depends on the perspective. Like, yeah, if it's a failure, um, but, and, and, you know, and I can relate too, because sometimes when that happens, I then just could of sort of look out looking in okay well what was that failure what could I have done better yeah and so absolutely I love that so as you got in the PR experience you you got that bug like you said you got the bug for PR now being a PR a public relation requires a lot of skill you need the tenacity and obviously you had that because not knowing the people in the industry when you work for Cobra, you didn't know the people. You approached them as to, can I work with you? So you need to have tenacity. You need to have guts. Can you share with us what skills are required at, for a yes. female especially? I mean, men yeah. can just go out and do it. But females what skills do they need if they are looking to getting into PR industry? Yeah, it's funny because the PR industry is actually mostly women. The men who are in there are usually end up being the managers and in those C-suite roles, but uh-huh. communications and PR is a very uh, pink industry, if you will. Oh. And so I think it's a lot of creativity. It is loving news and loving stories. I think when you talk to any PR person, whether or not they're independent, work for an agency, work for a company, we'd love to tell the story and then get that story. There's such a rush behind it. So I'm always looking at what's happening in the media and thinking, well, how can I relate this to a client or looking at what a client's competitor is doing, or particularly in this area of thought leadership or this time of thought leadership now is what are the other CEOs saying? So what could my client's story could be, could we leverage? What is our point of difference? Because oftentimes, especially when you're such a fast paced industry, such as this, there's only so many ideas you can come up with. And I think that goes back to what is it that you can do to be in the industry and also to get your own PR is to be looking at what's out there and consuming and coming up with ideas and having the tenacity to believe in your idea, to have the confidence, to be able to take it to a publicist, uh, sorry, to a journalist, to be able to get that story. You know, when I hire people as PR people, I'm looking for something, somebody who takes the lead. You need to mm. do that, right. especially if you don't know the journalists. Like I knew all the journalists in Canada, but of course I didn't know them when I went to the UK. Right. So I went to back then it was at the library and it still is, <laughs> but it was a book of all of the journalists. Right. And I went to uh, the bookshop and checked out all of the magazines and had to look at all of the editor's names so that I was familiar with it. And that's one thing that I do find is, is that you, the, you can tell those who don't take the initiative and those that do for jobs in any case, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's particularly what I had to do, especially changing countries, changing continents. Um, how can I make myself stand out even more? And that's something that we especially want to see in PR people, because what we do is get our clients to stand out. So if right. you can't stand out yourself, you know, mm-hmm. put your hand up or be bold, 
then it's not necessarily the right career path to be going into PR. You know, I've met people who are real introverts and that's great. I mean, because you still have to be a great raider, a great team player, um, be able to pitch. But if that doesn't make you strong enough to like follow up with a phone call or to take a journalist out to lunch, there's going to be a personality uh, conflict that heads up Mm -hmm. in PR. Mm -hmm. And so absolutely. So, you know, when there's a clash, um, you never, you never want that. So you always want to reevaluate. But what I find interesting is that, especially in this, the, the PR and the media as a whole, as, as an umbrella, you have to, you always have to be the one to be the one to, to initiate, to be proactive. Like you can't depend that, like for example, you I can't depend on you to say, okay, what's the next task? Mm-hmm. I got to, I got to say, I got to have my own initiatives. I need yeah. to be the leader also to say, okay, yeah. I've done one task. Yeah. What's the next task? Yeah. And so I often find that's why I'm curious to know is that in the media, like you know, there are deadlines. We always have to commit to those deadlines. Mm-hmm. And so that's why sometimes it can be a very stressful. Did you find it was a stressful situation initially when you got into the industry or you were okay? No, not for me because I thrived on it. And, okay. you know, I love knowing that I had to get things done by then. I mean, give me the challenge and the chase. I love it. And right. it's something like I said, is, is that when you finally would, you know, again, I'm dating myself, but you'd open that newspaper, you turn on the TV and you see your client's story. It was just like, right. yes, this is what I worked so hard to do. But I do find that for the younger generation, yeah, they do find the deadlines harder or in particularly find the pace of a PR agency. And when I interview people, I will say your first three months are going to be a living hell. And everybody thinks I'm joking, seriously. <laughs> But by the time their three months with me happens, they're like, you weren't kidding. I said, no, well, first of all, it's always a challenge going into a new job and just figuring out how you fit in, what the role is, no matter how great your onboarding is, you know, you're, you still want to prove yourself. So people do naturally put themselves under stress, but add that to, in an agency, we have multiple clients. So you are working on multiple clients and it's incredibly fast paced and think about it's just not the deadlines for your clients, but Uh if you are, especially in a junior role, you have to give your drafts to your manager who would have to give it to me, who might need to get client approval or I approve it. So your deadlines are even shortened, right? Right. And so I think that there's a lot, there's a lot of training that needed to happen for people, whether or not they are younger or it's their first time working in an agency. Working in an agency model is not for anyone, for everybody. Um, there's definite burnout. And it used to be, you know, you go to university and you work in an agency because you would get the best experience and you still right. do. But you also hear about the horror pace of an agency and some people's personalities are not naturally for that. So I think that's one thing that might weed out a, weed out someone or it might be about after a year. And it's not to say that PR agencies absolutely burn you out. But if you're the personality who wants to operate at a much slower pace, for example, mm-hmm. it, agency will burn you up telling you right now. Um, or even tech PR, you know, in a tech environment, there's a mm-hmm. lot of burnout. So I think there comes a point in recognizing yourself and the kind of work environment you want to be in. And now, especially that we talk about work-life balance, it really comes into place is that what kind of a career do I want? If you are more focused on wanting even more life balance, well, maybe agency or PR is not necessarily for you, right? Right. So I think that's something that needs to be taken into account. But for me, I love the pace of it. 
the only job I've ever been able to do in corporate has been working for a beer company. I loved it. You loved it. Loved, yeah. And I loved it because I also had a like an amazing high profile entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. There was opportunities for his PR. I did financial communications. I did new markets. Like there was, it was such a meaty role, but right. other than that, having one client bores me, frankly. So I like the variety and the challenge and the yeah, creativity the of having so many clients. But again, it's not for everybody because a lot of people feel that they want to just commit and focus on one thing. If that's you, that is not publicity for you. You know, PR <laughs> is not for you because you are always working on multiple projects or multiple clients. So exactly, exactly. So when you when you're uh, you know working on multiple projects allows you to really up your game, mm-hmm. and exactly. especially so now when it comes to PR, uh, viewers may not know what is PR communication, right? How, what is PR communication? Because we have, you know, marketing, we have, um, you know, we have so many other outlets. What is PR communication? Yes. And so PR has always been part of the marketing mix and Mm -hmm. particularly was in the area of brand awareness or uh, the entrepreneur or the thought leader's awareness. So awareness of the president, CEO, the individual. And when I first started in the business, so it was 25 years ago, and it was all focused on getting our clients into radio, TV, and print, because those were the types of media that existed. And to a certain degree, you could also pay for print editorial. Now, of course, it's shifted, particularly with social media coming in, that PR agencies were then handling the client's Facebook, uh, I guess it was just Facebook and Instagram, or sorry, Facebook and Twitter at the time was handling their social media accounts. Then of course, content creation and then writing and content shoot starts to come into it. But then like the whole content creation industry exploded. These are all very new industries that have come into play. I would say in the last 10 to 15 years, you know, when I had my agency try and at the beginning, try and hire a manager of digital, no such thing existed, right? It really is such a new industry. And then now it is PR is seen as earned media where you pitch. And this is true back then and is still true now. And this is earned media where you pitch. So you send an email pitch to a reporter who is either in print, radio, TV, online, or podcasts, and you get your story in there so long as they like it. And you work to coordinate and secure the story. But now it also includes paid. And so you can pay usually for a print story, but you can also pay for radio and some TV. And again, it used to be that paid was seen as like, oh, well, that's just an ad with a fancy interview in there. That's what I I would assume as well. Yeah. Yeah. But funny enough, actually, when I lived in the UK and there was paid editorial, like I was so snobby about it, but it was very accepted. And I think it's because the UK has a larger media industry and people saw more opportunities to Mm. be in it. Whereas Canada, it was very frowned upon and we have a smaller media industry, but as ours is not so robust, we've seen a lot of bankruptcies, a lot of layoffs. I mean, that's been across the board, but really Canada being such a small media country has seen the hit of it. And mm. so in order to survive, media have had to include paid media opportunities to mm. the point that it's now mainstream. Right. It's not a bad thing anymore. You know, and like I said, PR is part of your marketing mix. So if you get an amazing story where you do the interview and then the write, a writer would write it up. So it's not about you writing it up for a magazine that you would coordinate with them. It's part of a package. You buy it. You're interviewed by the writer. You get your interview. 
Well, then you get to put it on your website. You can um, promote it on social media. So this ends up as part of your SEO and your content marketing. So mm -hmm. it all comes into play that it's all about, like I said, it's marketing mix, content marketing. How is it feeding social media? How are you getting the interviews? What's the brand awareness? Um, but really it is about those interview opportunities and getting featured. And you can also write articles as a whole other side of it as well and get that picked up, which comes into your content marketing. Exactly. So what is the main purpose? What is the purpose of PR? Why do people, um, you know, have your service? Why do people approach agencies? Why do people want to have PR? That was the benefits of PR yeah. relations. And you know what, I'll go back to what PR doesn't do. And that is, is, is that you cannot concretely tie it to selling a product or getting more customers, which oh, is okay. people wonder then why would I do it? Exactly. Again, part of the brand awareness mm -hmm. that everybody consumes content. We're all watching videos, reading content, seeing things on Apple TV and on YouTube. So that's exactly why you would get PR because it's the credible third party credibility of having a media outlet interviewing you, including you in the story or a podcast interviewing you. Media is extremely influential as we all know. So it is the pre premier opportunity to be featured when you do do PR. Mm -hmm. And again, you might think, well, like this is not directly going to get me customers but it gives your brand cachet, credibility, yes. visibility. Yes. Mm -hmm. And for women, especially, you know, we minimize ourselves when we, I often say make ourselves do PR because not all women want to do it. You know, we're taught to minimize ourselves. So there is right. a degree of courage for some mm -hmm. women to do this. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But the point is, is that people find out about your business. They may not buy right away, but they would find out about your business. Like if you're a bricks and mortar store by reading in a blog or reading in a magazine. And so it's about raising your visibility and uh, making people more aware of you. That's why you did. And then of course, so if you're a coach, for example, and you're interviewed by a number of media outlets or, and it's not even just a coach, it's, it's a business as well. Put the media logos on your website, your bio as featured in your LinkedIn as featured in right. so that makes the appearance and the confirmation of premiumness, of exclusivity, of credibility. And what happens when you get those, you do get to increase your prices, right? It, right. and for, I say for women is, is that you want to be able to increase your prices because you make more money. You get to live the life of your dreams on your terms. So it all ladders into each other about why would you do PR? It's to be able to stand out, to be showcased in a beautiful, effective medium that shows your expertise, your thoughts, your opinion, you know, to leverage those platforms. Exactly. And like I said, you know, it's a third party, third party credibility. Mm -hmm. And that is what waste for your startup. You definitely. So would you would you suggest if you are a startup, would you suggest having a PR like straight away to really grow the business as you are growing your business? Or would you say a PR? Where is that point where PR does come into into a business? Yeah. So if you're a tech startup, that's where the question is. But you have to have your funding and you want mm. to have at least to be in beta. Right. Sometimes maybe alpha, depending on who you are. You know, if you're Elon Musk, they're just going to cover everything. right? <laughs> exactly. So for the average everyday human, you have to have customers and also your product needs to be available. I recently spoke with somebody who said, I wanted all the PR and my product is now viable and we're making it and it's going to be ready for commercialization. And I said, hold on a second, back this up. You're not available. So media will not cover you. Fundamentally, why would they promote something that's not available? Right. So that's the question that you need to get out for the consumers. 
if I have a very cool app, but you can't get it yet, you don't do any PR because the media is going to say, forget it, I'm not covering you. But if right. you're a very well-known entrepreneur, you can start to see the story with media about my next venture, right? right. Um, and then if you are a company who's looking for funding, well, for investment purposes, you are going to, they like to know that you've had some PR opportunities, but again, no publicist would probably would likely hire you without funding, maybe for equity. Um, right. But overall is that have customers, have a good website, make sure your website has your messaging, you know, take the time to identify your brand, have great photos, great images, right? So that you look like the amazing brand and personality and uh, person who should be profiled and then go out and do your PR, you know, get validated, be available commercially and have a strong brand. And also it ends up being a bit of a conflict because you can't wait until too far after launch to do PR because then you're seen as old. At the end of the day, news is about new. Yeah. So if you're not new, media are going to say, well, why don't you tell me about you sooner? So it's a cash 22, right? Yeah. It's about being able to find that fine line. And that's often why you do at least start to have those conversations with PR people as you start to get those sales and get that ball rolling so that you know at what stage you can either hire an independent contractor or an agency to do your PR. They will have the expertise to say, okay, I want to see X, Y, and Z, and then we can do something. And they would all also get to you working with them in time to put together a strategy and your actual messaging and get your materials ready so it's ready to go. And um, often your launch is around something newsworthy. Maybe it's a deal, maybe it's um, uh, a new store opening, new products available. I mean, again, mm-hmm. it has to be new, it has to be newsworthy. Exactly. So what is that point? Um, Like often, like you said, you know, the print ads, you know, TV, radio, once upon a time, you know, TV, radio, they were the mainstreams. And people were like featured on radio. Now we have podcast. So TV, radio, and, you know, due to the pandemic, 2019, 2020, um, everything's online now. So do you see the advent of tv radio coming back so that people can be introduced back into those channels Mm. you know they do still exist and not forgetting that an older audience still exists who Mm. still have tv and so they are plugging into the tv and they're turning on the mainstream channels so for some clients they do want the traditional media you know you and i having this conversation here in canada and people do read the globe and mail The business community reads the Globe and Mail, which for anybody outside of Canada, this is our national newspaper, of which we only have two. Anyway, that's a whole other story. But, you know, um, the business community and consumers are still consuming the more traditional content. I think what we're going to see is is that when that demographic, to be crass, has passed away, then we might see some even more significant shifts. But for now, TV Mm. is still an opportunity. People are watching TV. I mean, maybe it's going to shift more to YouTube or there's going to be other platforms that people are going to continue watching like Netflix. And then of course you've got things like Twitch, right? Right. So I think whatever evolves, it'll end up being to a bigger degree, more about the shift in demographic and shift in society. Um, We saw the other day that Zoomer Media, which is actually for... I mean, it used to be 65 and over, but apparently Zoomers are now people who are in their mid forties. So I was like, what? I'm a Zoomer. That's changed. Um, <laughs> but they bought Daily Hive, which is Canada's largest national online publication. And their age group is 18 to 30 and Zoomer bought them. 
So mm -hmm. I think the larger companies see the opportunity to be able to merge the mediums and to see what will happen. Um, but of course, do I think there are, the millennials are eventually going to watch like regular TV? No, I don't think so. No. So, so that's kind of gone. And I think um, it will be. It's, yeah. right, so it's going to be like, I mean, I, I guess at, at the end of the day, like media channels, there was like some get obsolete, the new ones come in, podcasts, current is a new trend. Um, everyone's on podcasts and then that's a medium. I think that's a medium that's going to stay. Um, so I do want to stay with PR for now, Elmira. So how does one, if you could just walk us through the steps, because when you get into PR, whether you had your uh, agency, so whether you're working for an agency, um, what are the steps is required? Because it does require a lot of patience. And for people who initially get into this industry, you've got to have patience. You've got to um, have the tenacity to go out there and approach projects or approach clients. So what are the steps that's required and how does one land the first coverage? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, honestly, it's all about research is how it gets done. Mm -hmm. So you go into a PR agency and ideally they will have a media database or you begin to create your own lists. And it's right. all based on research if you're doing a list creation, who's covering the story. Mm -hmm. And so that tactic specifically is called newsjacking. Who has written the story previously or a similar story or covered this topic? And then you pitch them on your client. And if it's an announcement, you will have a press release that you've drafted. And then as well as a three to four paragraph brief pitch. In there is just introducing the client, what the story is, or specifically what the angle is, because you are not giving the same angle to every media. Radio will cover a story very differently than TV, than we'll do from print. Maybe there's a different story for a magazine, right? Uh, maybe it's the more human side of the entrepreneur or the behind the scenes of the entrepreneur for a podcast, right? Because that is not something that TV would tell in five minutes. Mm -hmm. And so having a tailored pitch for each outlet and the journalist with the story that why you should care bullet points as to what the client could speak to. And then again, if it is a news announcement or a launch or something, the press release pasted below and you would pitch them and you never BCC uh, media. So don't think you can write just one email pitch and send it to a whole bunch of media. It's not how it works. Um, there is also the newswire that you could put a press release out on the newswire, but again, it's individual follow-ups and reaching out to the media. Mm -hmm. And then you begin to develop those relationships. Media will become used to seeing your name in the inbox. Um, and of course, like before you would ever pitch that media, you person, you would read what articles that they are writing. You know, it, you will get banned from their inboxes if you were ever to suggest something or say that, you know, what have, have you ever thought about writing such and such story? And they'll be like, I already wrote that. <laughs> They're going to be like, delete. I'm going to mark that as personal spam. I never want to hear from them again. They're you know, probably going to think, are you not current? They might think that too, right? Are you not yeah. current? Mm -hmm. I just mm -hmm. wrote that. Yeah. They're going to look at this and wonder why you're in the industry or even attempting to get into the industry. Mm. And then, you know, the, like anything, you have to plant your seeds and then go on with the momentum, right? You have to grow the momentum. So planting the seeds for your client, when you do that initial pitch, you have to follow up and they may not care about your idea for the first month, mm -hmm. but then, you know, we, as PR people, we put together campaigns. So what are we going to pitch the client or pitch about our client to the media in September? What are we going to pitch in October, November, December, et cetera. And so we're continuing to pitch. And the idea is, is that 
the journalist becomes familiar with your story, familiar with your client, the angles, the expertise, and then they begin to reach out to you for comment. So it's that relationship that you're developing. And, you know, media have not heard about your client. That's your job. So it is your job to educate them about who the client is and what they could speak to you. It's not like all of a sudden, again, unless you're a very well-known entrepreneur, that overall or a service provider, whatever it might be, but it's not like the media is going to hear about you. It is the PR person's job. And that is your job as a PR person to be making sure that you're coming up with creative ideas or being aware of what the news stories are. Or, you know, you might have sent something to the journalist two days ago, but all of a sudden there's a super hot story that, you know, your client can comment on. Mm-hmm. You need to be good enough and aware enough that you've seen this story in the media and you can jump on it right away. And that Mm -hmm. is where you're getting your stories from as well and developing the relationships. And ultimately, then when the journalist is like, huh, who can I ask for interview on this or who can comment on this topic? They're like, of course. And then they reach out to you, which makes you the most amazing publicist because you have that contact. So building relationship, building relationship was the key because money, building relationship is one aspect, but then following up. So like you said, if you uh, wanted to approach a radio station, you gave you gave them your book mm-hmm. so follow up yeah. email them follow yeah. up and because money is in the follow-up and oftentimes we forget that we need to follow up we've given the journalist the pr our book etc we've given but we have not followed up so we might think well how come did they forget about us well i mean they might have because then you are you guys are so busy Yes. And you're working on projects and deadlines. So it could be just under all the emails that you get. Yeah, exactly. You know, what is it? 90% of stories covered by the media Mm -hmm. is not a journalist doing the investigation or being assigned a story. It is PR people or the public who are informing them of a story to cover. Oh, okay. You can imagine how busy and packed their email inboxes are, right? They're overloaded. So unless there's like an immediate yes, they might look at your email and be like, okay, I'll get to it later. Or it gets buried in their inbox, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's Mm -hmm. why the money is in the follow-up. The interview is in the follow-up because they're likely, if they're on deadline, whatever is happening in the media that day. I mean, for example, today is the queen's funeral. We are not pitching anybody today. We stopped pitching everybody last, I'm trying to remember. So we heard about the queen on a Thursday. Yes. We got some pitches in that morning and then we stopped and we mm-hmm. let everything breathe for till about Tuesday, did some follow-ups, but we stopped right. again Thursday afternoon, Friday morning. And of course we're not pitching anything today. We won't be pitching anything in the next few days. So when you think about the world news on top of how many pitches they receive anyways in their inbox, and that's there's fine. you trying to get your story in. And that's another thing is, is that you want to have an awesome email subject line. It has to be brief. It has to be to the point. And it makes them want to say, yes, I'm going to open up this email. Again, they get so many emails in their inbox, just like we all do, right? That's right. And so, yeah, if it's not an interesting email subject line, they will delete it. They won't care about your story. They will delete it. That's a good point, though, Elmira, is when you say you could have a good subject line. So oftentimes when you don't have a good, it's going to be, it's going to be that win-win too. So a subject line is important because I've done that. And it might have gone too well because maybe it could be the subject line. It could be like in the in the content uh, of the email. So it needs to be a win-win. I think journalists, they are looking also for a win-win. It can't just be all about me. 
because then they were not interested. Yes. So it's going to be a win-win. I've got to give them something back and vice versa. What's your approach on that? Yes. Well, I mean, everything has to be in service of the good story. If Uh your email sounds like it's a marketing brochure, you may have a great story. They're not going to care. Exactly. If you and your client are doing an interview or a podcast interview and it is so self-serving and just about like you, your story, your wins. I mean, if that's the angle of the story, that's great. But overall, like that's not good media. You know, you want to share information. You want to share something that's exciting. One of my clients is a baseball team. If they go onto TV and talk about their players, media are not going to care. They will stop that interview right there. Tell them about the excitement, the three foot long hot dogs, the sushi races, you know, they have dancing groundskeepers. We bring the groundskeepers on TV and they dance on TV. Oh, 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 they do? Interesting. <laughs> oh yes. Interesting. Entertaining. You know, just talking about the baseball team that they're back. I mean, it was a really big story this year because we're finally back after two years being for COVID. But we had, um, because all the interviews at that time had to happen on Zoom because of COVID rules, the guests couldn't go into studio. So we had, you know, a Zoom studio set up with the baseball field facing the back and we had the groundskeepers in the back and we were creating great TV. Um, Or even are the print stories that we were doing was about um, people who'd had their season's tickets for 50 years. Mm. They're not going to say the baseball team is back and playing baseball. Media don't <laughs> care. That is entirely self-serving. Mm-hmm. Buy an ad. If you can ever, as either a PR person or as the client who was thinking about hiring somebody, if you can look at something and think that you're writing and think, hmm, could I buy an ad? Could this be an ad? Could this be a brochure? If at any point anything in your mind or body says yes, you do not send that pitch. You redo it because again, that's another way to get yourself banned from the inboxes. It has to be well-written to the point, talk about your area of expertise, give them some bullet points that you could speak to about the interview or why this is important. Again, it has to be in a, in service of a good story. You mm. are leveraging the media to be able to get your story out, but they are not here to help you. They are here to share news and stories. Exactly. Wonderful. I love that. And so when you talk about PR and communication, you talk about marketing, do you see that there being like an amalgamation of PR communication and you have marketing because you have, you've had success in both. So do you see there being an amalgamation of both PR communication and marketing? Yeah, I don't. And I say this because um, there is a fine line where you get to like PR communications and content marketing. Mm -hmm. Um, And also there's something called the PESO model, P-E-S-O, where it's paid, earned, actually can't remember what the S and the O stand for, but it is about, oh, the O would be about own channels, where PR is also about what blog posts are you writing? Mm -hmm. Or is there a LinkedIn post? Or are you doing um, paid uh, Forbes council opportunities as an executive, for example? Um, and so those elements working together in communications and content marketing, um, leveraging own channels, like I said, LinkedIn, and you know, could you pitch those uh, thoughts to, and your thought leadership right up to the media? Those are all PR, comms, and content marketing, and they will always be housed together, but they will be a part of marketing. And I don't see them um, blurring or amalgamating because at the end of the day, communications and PR, PR and communications and marketing are very different. Right. When you think about the marketing side of it, it is typically like there's a hard number, a measurable number 
Um, there is, it might be like ads or brochures or channel marketing. I mean, there's so many facets of marketing that I can't imagine that they would, uh, they might blur, but they mm. would never consolidate. You know, one of my friends, she's actually a senior publicist who got a CMO job. And she says, my gosh, it's so different. You know, like marketing people know their marketing. They know their channels. They know their numbers. They have supports for the marketing itself, which is in some ways, you know, it's a, it's a harder art and science. Yeah. Communications and PR, if that makes sense. So because of that inherently in their nature, I don't see them amalgamating. Amalgamating. Okay. So, um, but that's an interesting point though, because like, you know, marketing and we all, um, you know, we want that. So even in our business, like, you know, so paid ads, paid ads, even sometimes, you know, I think about paid ads. Oh, well, why would I need to pay for a certain product, why would I need to pay? But I guess, you know, when it comes to paid ads, um, you know, you need to, you need to splice them. You need to have that. So that paid ads versus non-paid ads. Mm -hmm. I think they're both, you need to have both of them. Yeah. And I mean, with ads, of course, it would be like, I mean, I'm just using an example, like a Best Buy or something, you know, they will mm. have an ad with their products, with their, the pricing, um, their, their ads are going to be very different. Whereas on the PR side, it's not an ad. If you're paying for something, you want to do a story an interview right. that is not an ad. Those are paid content opportunities. And whereas it's very, um, trackable and measurable, on the advertising side. And if it's a display ad, you would be able to track it, but you would never have like a display ad story, for example. Right. And so there's a very fine and hard line between what the two, um, what the two camps do, if you will. Right. Exactly. So, so for the PR, can you have a paid ad? I mean, do you see that or can it ever be like a paid ad? No, not really. No, not, not an ad. And so again, when I say an ad is like your standard ad where it's got a product or the company name and that's it. Those are ads only PR does not touch those. You know, we might have clients who say, or there are some PR agencies who will do a media buy, for example, or they might also have an advertising department and deal with the buy. So when we say mm -hmm. media buy, they do the planning of what types of ads you're going to buy or which outlets, you know, they would have separate divisions, but you would never have a PR person who would also do advertising as their trade. It is very, very different. Right. You know, even the large global agencies, they have an ad agency underneath them, like the Ogilvy's of the world, right? Yes. They have an advertising arm. They've got a digital arm now. That's They'll right, have a PR yeah. arm. They will all, it might go under one parent, but they will have specific divisions and companies under it who will do each practice. Exactly. So they, they never, even like the larger brands, they never sort of consolidate, amalgamate. They have separate divisions, separate people doing individual projects. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So Amira, this has been such a delightful conversation. I absolutely love it because I think it's very important, even when it comes to visibility and, you know, for a startup, people starting out in the business, um, you know, in the PI industry, how important is a visibility for an entrepreneur who is starting out and why do we need to be omnipresent, as they say? Why do we need to have that visibility? Yeah to get us do, going in the business. I do think for women, we do have a responsibility and it's, it's part of the, um, the tribe or the circle of women to be able to raise each other up. Right. right yeah. One woman gets up there. We have that role model and we get to cheer her on and right. so many role models or 
people featured in media are men. They're getting a lot of press anyways. It's time for the women to do it, right? That's right, yeah. Yeah. Um, but as far as why do PR at all, you never know where it's going to lead. And I use the example of that. If you're 25 years old and you're this hotshot new president of a company, you're probably naturally going to get press. But if you're even more amazing and you get that CEO role at 35, which is a little less sellable to media, but you have got tons of successes uh, under your belt that you have promoted and got PR out of it. You'll get a bigger story. And you think about it. If you're visible, you get more money. It's the hard truth, right? So right. if you are, even if you do your own internal PR, you know, you work in a corporation, you do your own internal PR and you get promotions and you get more salary, you get to build the life of your dreams. You get that generational wealth. Visibility is standing up and being seen, being seen as an expert and you know, to showcase it and share it let the world see it. You never know where it leads. And I think that's just so much about all of us have gifts. We should all be shouting it from the rooftops. And that's exactly what it is about saying, Hey, I'm here to talk about what I'm passionately love or what I do. And to be able just to skyrocket to the next level. We all have talents. We all have gifts. Absolutely. And oftentimes we just hide that. We think we feel um, myself included, I was like that. I, I I used to think, well, you know, why do I need to celebrate what am I doing? Why do I need to celebrate if I open my studio? Why do I need to celebrate as a real estate investor? And so I will keep that hidden and not put myself in the forefront. But I absolutely love that because as women, people watching, um, we need to stand out and we need to let people know what are we doing? Because we all have talents. We all all have abilities to really um, leverage on what we need to leverage on. If that's media, then absolutely we need to be 100%. Elmira, I'm going to ask the final question and I'll love to ask this to all my guests. And these are the three truths. So what are the three lessons that you would love to share if today was your last day on earth of all the accomplishments, of all the successes that you've had and you, you will be having? What are the three lessons you would love to leave with the viewers watching if today was your last day on earth? Oh my gosh, slow down and especially <laughs> enjoy it all. You know, I remember my business partner and I, we've gone to the South of France in 2014 and we had an amazing trip, but we stayed in this, you know, smaller Airbnb. And we were like, you know what, when we are finally doing this, we're going to have the big Airbnb with the fabulous pool. And well, fast forward a few years, we have kids, you know, like we don't have the flexibility or the freedom. We're, right. we're not going to hang out poolside <laughs> and drink champagne in the South of France for hours on end. Right. right. Uh-huh. Like savor that moment because it really truly never comes. I mean, forget about having kids and a change in availability for time. But if COVID has taught us anything, we don't know what happens the next day. That's right. Savor that moment because you are Mm -hmm. truly living in that moment. You don't get that time back. Exactly. You really don't get those moments back. Um, I think I've also- Time once gone, it does not come back. No, you can't change things. Exactly. So if you're in an argument with somebody and I get that you could be heated in an argument, but you literally never get to take those words back. You exactly. don't know what will happen. Mm-hmm. And so what is wrong with taking a pause, taking a step back thinking. And that's another thing is, is that about, you know, just be more conscious, be more intentional. What is it that you're wanting to put out? What is it that you're going to create? 
think one of the biggest lessons that I've learned this year is, is that naturally human beings have a negativity bias. We tend yeah. to not appreciate anything, which to me is crazy. Exactly. But then you think about it and you even start to think about your own inner thought, thoughts and it's crazy. So positivity, gratitude, and it really does come down to that because we are so ingrained in thinking externally or mm-hmm. what's what's next or, you know, what's tomorrow going to bring? Well, first of all, enjoy today because you literally don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. What's you, don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. you know, um, and savor it and enjoy it and be grateful because it really is those smaller things. And it's all about our internal worlds, this stuff. I mean, it's great to have, don't get me wrong. I love it. It's great to have it. <laughs> but it, it, what is the most important thing and what is it that you want to, exactly. to really enjoy and have? Yeah. Exactly. And you know what, you're like, they say, you know, your health is your wealth. If you don't have wealth, how can you get wealth if you don't have your health? And live in the present moment. I love that because I resonate with you. Absolutely. We need to live in the present. Mm -hmm. That's why it's a gift. Yes. Yeah. In the present. Yeah. That's why it's a gift. And absolutely, we need to appreciate each and every day, have the attitude of gratitude. I love that. I love to say, you know, having the attitude of gratitude, this is how I live. I'm always grateful. The moment I wake up, I'm saying, what am I grateful for? Mm -hmm. And when I write that down, you know, it's such a game changer. So I absolutely agree. We need to stay in those moments, appreciate the moments. Yes, because that's what it is. Yep. Oftentimes, you know, we, we just don't because we're also in the hustle and in the grind in the business, you know, but we don't have the time. We don't take that time just to relax or to unwind and sort of reflect on what has happened. Yeah. What, have, what, yeah. what have we accomplished? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And even if just accomplishing is just taking the time to savor, that's an accomplishment. That should be the new accomplishment for 2023. What are you savoring? Exactly. I, I I agree with you. I think you should you should TM that. That that should yes. that's exactly what yeah. it should be. <laughs> well, Amira Badai, um, Amira, this has been such an amazing conversation. I'm so delightful. Uh delight to have you. And everyone, Amira Badai, she has shared nuggets today. And I'm so grateful for Amira to come on and talk with us as to you know, the media, PR, PR communication, what what does that involve and what we need to do? So if we're a startup as an entrepreneur to get be visible. What do we need to do? What how do we need to approach? our business and as an individual to put ourselves out there so that we do get known and we are recognized. So, well, thank you so much for tuning in today, episode 45 of Ask the Experts with Alka with my phenomenal guest, Almira Badai. And stay tuned for more conversations with amazing guests who are coming on the show. Um, It's going to be such a great experience that I want to share with all of you with amazing guests who are coming on and who are making a difference on in their lives and in their industry. So this is episode 45. We appreciate you. We truly welcome each and every one of you each and every time on the podcast on the podcast. So stay tuned for more and I will see you all very soon. Take care for now. Bye.